about if do you do you are you hoping or do you possess hope? I had a conversation about mm, two and a half weeks ago. Sat down with a friend of mine. We were eating lunch and he said, I am so looking forward to 2008 being over. I am just ready. Start over, new, get, get a new year, a new slate. I'm hoping, he said, that 2009 will be better. And at first I went, yeah, me too. And then something just grabbed a hold of me and said, that's wishful thinking. That's lame. If I kind of said it kind of almost fatalistically, yeah, me too. I hope so too. Earlier this week, I was going back through some notes and I found uh, uh, some, some, something I shared with our home group about a year ago on the subject of hope. And it kind of grabbed a hold of me again, fresh and new. You know, there's a, there's a vast difference between hoping, having wishful thinking, and possessing hope. Having hope live on the inside of you. Having it grab a hold of you. And it refusing to let you go. Because if you're just hoping... Anything can come along the way and knock it off the track. But when hope possesses you, when it lives on the inside of you, it's not easily shaken or rattled. You know, we've, uh, you, you as a Christian, you've got faith, you've got hope available to you that it's solid, it's firm, it's strong. And it's not something you conjure up in some emotional, whoo. You guys ever have to face a situation, you kind of got to get yourself psyched up for it, you know what I mean? You know, you pull up to work, you know that one thing's facing you that day, I hope this goes well. And you kind of try and get your game face on, and you kind of sit in the car, ah, big, deep, cleansing breaths. Oh, and you can say something like, I hope this goes well. You ever, you ever said that? And you're, gonna get, and you're just trying to get, just kind of trying to get, yeah, okay. See, when the kind of hope Jesus makes available to us isn't something that's got to be conjured up. It's something that lives down deep on the inside. It's something that grows and it has power and it has force. It's awesome. You know, the definition of hope, according to the uh, Britannic Dictionary, is this. It's a desire accompanied by expectation of or belief in fulfillment. That's, if you look at the Britannic Dictionary, you'll find that hope has a, a definition as a verb. You'll, you didn't have to stop, really, if you didn't want to. I kind of like that. Um, It operates as a verb, but hope is also a noun. And if you go through Scripture, you'll find more often than not, hope is a noun. It's not something you do, it is something. And as we look into the 
next year. Just tell me how, how many of you guys have already started thinking about, okay, what's going to be different this year? Anybody done that? Okay, we got like, today's the 28th. We got like three more days, and then things start over, and I, I, I need to think about doing this, and I need to think about doing that, and I wonder what's going to happen here, and I wonder how this part of my life's going to work out. You begin to think about that, and you, and you just begin to, all those thoughts run around. Listen to me. Today, you can have expectation in the fulfillment of promises God has made to you. You can face the future knowing that God is with you. You can face the future knowing he is walking beside of you. You can face the future knowing that he's not gone any place. And that's the, that, that's the beginning of our hope is right there. Somebody asked me after service this morning, they said, and I'm trying to get my, I'm trying to decipher the difference between faith and hope. See, if, uh, if you read 1 Corinthians 13, the last verse of 1 Corinthians 13 says this. Now, but, and now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, right? But the grace of these is love. Only you would agree with me that love is a powerful force, wouldn't you? On the other hand, all of you would probably agree with me that faith is a powerful force. You know, as God sandwiches right between faith and love, he throws hope in there? Isn't hope kind of hard to get your mind around sometimes? One guy said, I don't get it, Aaron, I don't get it. I said, here, here's no difference between faith and hope is this. Faith has a solid foundation right here. In black and white or red and white, as you, you know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. You have something you can turn to. It's solid, it's sure. But hope has pretty much the same thing. But hope has its basis in trust, okay? And trust, listen, trust has everything to do with what you know about the character of God. Faith has to do with what you know about this. The more of this you put in, the more faith grows. The more you become aware of who God is, the more hope takes on, okay? Once we become accustomed to the character of God, it's easy to trust him. And if he says he'll never leave, he'll never forsake, then he won't. And then the future becomes easier to swallow because you know what? We have hope he's going to be beside of us because his character is true and faithful. Do you get what I'm saying? It's a powerful force. It's awesome. Now listen, according to scriptures, the scriptural kind of a definition of hope it's found in, in, in the Vines Dictionary. I give you a Greek word, a Strong's number, but you can go look that up for yourself if you want to. The rest of you will be like, I don't even know what that means, so we'll go on with it. In, in Vines Dictionary of, of New Testament words, it says this, that hope is favorable and confident. You catch that? Confident expectation. It has to do with the unseen and the future. It describes the happy anticipation of good. That's the most frequent, use, frequent significance in Scripture, most frequent use in Scripture. The anticipation of good. You ever know anybody who is like Eeyore? Oh boy. You talk to them about what's going on and they go, well, you know how things are. 
You know what I'm saying? And they have no anticipation of good. Their anticipation, their expectation is of horrible things, of bad things, of awful things. You come into work all happy, go lucky, and they're like, hey, did you hear what the stock market did this morning? It's down like 500 points. Oh, it's going to be bad this year. I'm just telling you, it's going to be bad. And you're like, you know what I heard? I heard we're going to be laying off. And you're like, do you have any good news? Huh? Do you have absolutely, is there anything? And you, all of a sudden your days change. But see, because we are the person of Christ, because we know God, our Father in heaven, his character will never leave us high and dry. The reason why you know his character is because he loves us. Faith, hope, and love. We can know his character because we can trust in his love. Because you know what he did? He paid the highest price. And his character absolutely can be trusted. Therefore, we can have hope. He went way beyond any, the, what any of us would do. Way beyond because of love. Those three things are powerful. Faith, hope, and love. His word, his character, and his love are things that are powerful. Now listen. Think of this. You can carnally hope. Or you can, scripture, you can have scriptural hope. Romans 4 says this. Listen, to, this is talking about Abraham. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him, of him whom he believed, God, who gives light to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now listen to this next line. Who contrary to hope. Think about that. Contrary to hope. In hope believed. It would have made good sense for Abraham's hope from a carnal standpoint that he and his wife were never going to have any children. His hope was maybe someday, you know, we can adopt or do something or, you know, then you throw the little Hagar scenario into the picture and things get really messy, you know? But the Bible says, contrary to hope, just carnal hoping, in hope, a noun, in something, he believed. Now, it goes on to say, so that, the, that, that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your sins be. If you go on to read there, it says, he counted him faithful who had promised. See, he, he brought God's quest, God's character into the picture. And he said, you know what? I can have hope because you know what? God is faithful and he has made certain promises. Therefore, the future, though it may be unclear, is sure. Amen. Though may I, not, I may not see exactly what it's going to look like. Though may I, it may not materialize exactly the way I think it's going to. I can be sure and have hope because God is faithful who promised. Is that good? See, Abraham did not merely hope. He believed in hope. Hope had overtaken Abraham's soul. Hope had invaded his thoughts. Hope had invaded his perception. Hope had invaded his ideas. Hope had invaded his direction. Hope had invaded all of that. I know there's lots of talk about hope and all this other stuff, but we're talking about scriptural hope. Hope. Faith, faith hope, and love. 
The Bible says those three things remain. If the Bible says there's only three things that remain, it'd probably be a good idea to get a lock on all three of those things. You know what I mean? Most of us are dealing with faith pretty well. Most of us kind of get love, but hope's kind of that kind of ethereal thing in the middle. Like, what is, uh, I don't know what that, trying to figure it out, right? Faith, hope, and love. Hope's right there. If you would read on, we're going to actually, I'm going to, I'm going to, hope does not disappoint. What are you talking about, Aaron? I've been disappointed. Listen, read this passage of scripture. Talk about Abraham still. Through whom also we have access by faith. Well, talking about us. Through whom we have access by faith. Into this grace in which we stand and rejoice. Look at that word. In hope. We, we rejoice in hope. There's faith. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory. Look at this next word. In tribulations. That means when things don't quite work out the way you think they're going to. When suffering comes. When difficulty shows up. When you're going through tribulation. Look at this next line. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who's, give, who's given to us. Listen, faith, hope, and love are working right hand in hand, and hope sandwiched right between the two of them again. And it says here that even when things go difficult, we can still have hope because it's not so much important as what's happening to you as what's happening in you. Here's the other thing. As you, grow in the character, as you grow in character with God, your hope grows because character produces hope. Did you get that? Isn't that weird? Some of you are like, are like dude, I don't have much hope today. I don't, you know why you don't have much hope? It's because you pulled yourself out of the character-making process. You said, you know what? It's too difficult. Life is too hard. Things are too messed up. I can't go on anymore. I'm going to stop. And God's trying to build perseverance and character in you so you can have more hope. And you're like, dude, I, I just can't. No, I'm done. And you just kind of jerked yourself right out of the, right out of the, I don't And you wonder why your hope's waning. Your hope's waning because God has more important things for you than for life just to be easy. He has has great designs on you becoming like the person of Christ. The Bible says he's predestined us to be conformed to his image, Romans 8. The only way we become conformed to an image of Christ is, is, is life. God uses life situations to shape us and form us. The Bible says he's the potter, we are the clay. Am I right? Well, I've been disappointed. You may be disappointed with circumstance, but God has never disappointed you. Because you know what he's doing right now? He's doing what he said he'd do. He he would use difficult times, difficult situations to make you more like Christ. He's true and faithful. He's doing what he said he'd do. He never promised us that life would be super easy, that life would be just a breeze. Life would just be a cakewalk. He never promised us that ever. You can't find that in Scripture. But he did promise us this. He said, listen, I'll be with you. I'll get you through. I'll bring blessing to your life. I'll bring hope and I'll bring favor. He does promise us that. He never, nowhere in scripture can you find a person who's living for God who did not have problems. It's impossible. You can't find it. So as the future, as we walk into the next year, don't anticipate your life's going to be problem free. Anticipate God's going to come through. Expect that he's going to make good on his promises. Expect that he's going to be true and faithful. Expect that he's going to make you more like Christ. You're, I don't believe in resolutions because they, they fall flat in like two weeks. So I don't, I don't make them anymore. All of you have treadmills somewhere in your house and you bought one year for Christmas. You know I'm telling the truth. And soon, 
As soon as, the New Year, as soon as we get past all the food and the celebration of the holidays, I'm jumping on that thing. All right. And there it sits. Probably with all manner of all sorts of stuff on it. You know what I mean? Resolutions get you no place. Commitments get you somewhere. And you need to make a commitment today that you're going to submit to the character-forming work of God and his Holy Spirit. And you're going to say, you know what? We're just going to walk through. I'm going to have hope because I'm going to grow like God wants me to grow. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. I'm going to be committed to him and let him complete the process he started. You need to, some of you need to say today, you know what? I'm getting back on the potter's wheel. New Year's starting, I'm getting back on the potter's wheel. I took myself off, I'm getting back on. I'm going to become everything God wants me to become because his spirit is drawing me. He's got, he's, got, he's got greater things for me than what I'm experiencing right now. Listen, the greater your character grows, the more, the more hope you possess. I, I heard somebody say this week about being a, person of, uh, being a person of integrity. You know what I said a person of integrity is? A person of integrity is a person who's whole. We get the word in, integer, if you guys are math whizzes, means, it means a whole number, okay? It's not split up in all these directions with fractions and stuff. He said, in order for us to be people of integrity, we've got to be whole. Our lives can't be compartmentalized. Too often we have like our spiritual life. We've got our home life. We've got our work life. We've got this life over here. We've got our hobby life. And friends, we're going to go over there. We get all these little segments that are all kind of in, all, all, all apart, kind of all in different directions. And Jesus' intention is to bring wholeness to us. <laughs> bring the whole package together. The only way you're going to have the whole package together is to grow in character, to grow in the character of Christ, to submit to him and let him pull all the pieces together. Some of your lives are fragmented not because you've tried to make them fragmented. Circumstances and stuff have just come. And you're trying to figure out how to put the pieces back together. You know what? Get back on the wheel. Let God put the pieces back together. God's a good God. He cares enough to, put, get, to give you wholeness. He does. Here's some facets. Have you ever thought of hope this way? Scriptures give us three kind of distinct things about hope. I want to just, just, just let you see how firm, how strong hope is. Hope... It's, it's an anchor. You ever thought of hope as an anchor? I want to read you a passage of scripture. We're gonna, uh, Hebrews 6 says this. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Thought about God's character. Saying, surely blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater, an oath for confirmation is is for them an end of all dispute. He's like, you made a promise, you need to follow up. That's the end of the dispute. Thus, God determined to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability, the unchangingness of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, for which it's impossible to God to lie, there's his character again, we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. You see that? It's not a, an action. Hope is not an action. Hope is something to lay hold of. Hope is something, it has substance, it has, ah, there's something to grab, you get it? We lay hold of hope. Now listen, where was I? I'll find it here in a minute. This hope, 
Verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 6. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Now, I want you to think about an anchor. Do you guys, any Deadliest Catch fans out there? Anybody watch Deadliest Catch? I like Deadliest Catch. I really do. I mean, it's that extreme guy part of me or something, you know. The big waves, the danger, I don't know. But I, 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 I like to watch that show. And there was one episode of Deadliest Catch where the one ship, I saw Sig here. It was Sig's ship. Well, actually, it wasn't his ship, but the, the captain's name was Sig. And they lost their anchor. And they spent the episode trying to pull the anchor back up. I don't know if you guys, you guys ever see that. Did you see, let's talk about something substantial. Did you ever see the links on that chain? I mean, they're like that big, every one of them. I think they said in the episode, that thing weighs 60,000 pounds. And the Bible says, and whenever they tried to pull it up, it just like started making the, the boat, and it like tore up the crane. I don't know what all. And they were trying to jerk this thing up out of the water to get it back hooked onto the, you really manly men, you know what I'm talking about, the winch, yeah. I don't have a winch attached to any vehicle of mine, so I'm trying to think through what that thing is. That thingamajig that pulls the stuff up. You know what I mean? And God tells us here in Hebrews that we have hope as an anchor. And I don't know if you can picture that big chain and that, that anchor that's taller than I am, but God says hope is that anchor. When everything else is rocking and rolling, that anchor holds us right solid where we need to be. The issue with that episode of Deadliest Catch was that boat was just listing wherever the winds and the Bering Sea were just beating. They, they, they were in a real dangerous situation. They had nothing to hold them stable. Hope will keep you stable. Hope is an anchor. Hope will keep you where you need to be, going in the direction you need to go, keeping focus on what you need to be focused on. They couldn't catch any, any crab because they were off focus because they lost their anchor. They spent a whole day trying to retrieve this anchor when they could have been catching crabs. You... As a Christian, sometimes spend all your days trying to reattach yourself to something and you're, you let loose of hope and life gets real foggy and bouncing around. You're listening in every direction and you can't keep it solid on track. God says, grab a hold of hope. Hope is based in my character because I promised and I'm faithful. I'm immutable. I don't change. Let hope grab a hold of you. Another thing hope is, Hope is a door. Scriptures tell us this. Listen to Hosea chapter 2. I, I love this. Hosea chapter 2. Listen, listen. In the midst of trouble, hope is a doorway through the trouble and a doorway to greater opportunity. Hope solidifies our covenant with God in our lives and eyes. Now listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, 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 this passage of scripture from Hosea chapter 2. Verse 14 starts, Therefore, behold, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her vineyards from there. And the valley of Achor, literally that means translated, means the valley of trouble. Anybody ever have trouble? You ever been in a valley? In so much trouble, you're in a valley? Any, anybody out there? Ever been down in the valley? Down in the valley. I won't sing anymore, I'm from. Valley so low. Hang your head over. Remember that one? Anyhow. She shall, she, she shall sing there, as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. And it shall be in that day, says the Lord, that you will call me husband, 
Call me my husband and no longer my ma- call me my master. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in the righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Jesus, you got to get to know me, know my character. You can have hope. There's a doorway of hope in a valley of trouble because you begin to understand who I am, God says. And when you know who I am, you can have hope because we're going to get through this. He says, you no longer call me. He goes from being just a, a, a platonic sort of, an, a, of, an, of a, of a uh, relationship, master and servant, to husband and friend. Most of you, I think, sitting around this room right now, if you're married, you have great confidence in the person sitting next to you. You begin to uncover certain things about their character that breathes stability and security into your relationship. And God says right here, listen, in this valley of trouble, I'm going to open a doorway of hope because I love you. My character is going to propel us through this trouble, through this valley. And you'll understand who I am better. And you'll understand our covenant more deeply. And we're going to get through this thing. Because you know what? There's something about going through something that just attaches you to somebody even on a greater level. You understand what I'm saying? You ever been through a, there's what they, what they call crisis intimacy. If you guys have been through our, our premarital counseling and stuff at the church, you'll know that we talk about there's certain things that create intimacy. And one of the things is crisis. A crisis will create an intimacy like no other thing on the planet. If you've been in the army, you can relate to that, I'll bet. Am I right, Tim? You get stuck in a thing with a bunch of guys. Suddenly, when you're in an intense situation, there's a bond that's created in that crisis that's almost unbreakable. When you've fought hard and gone through something, and God says, you know what? In this moment of this trouble, of this valley, I'm going to solidify my covenant with you. I'm not going to just be a master to you and tell you what to do. I'm going to be your husband. We're going to be so close. Our relationship's going to be so strong and so firm. My character will never be in question in your life ever again because you understand what we've come through together, and I've been true and faithful, and you will understand it a lot better. Here's something I love about, you know, I, I, I got ahead of myself. Listen to this. Verse 23 of Hosea says this. Then I will sow her for myself in the earth. God said, I'm going to take these people. I've drawn to myself. I've walked them through a valley of trouble. He said, I'm going to walk them through that. Now listen. And I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy. Now listen to this next line. Then I will say to those people who are not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. You know what he's saying? Once we've walked through this, 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 this doorway, this valley of trouble that leads to a doorway of hope, I'm going to take you, after we reignite our relationship, you understand my character, I'm going to sow you in the earth. And because I sow you in the earth, there are going to be people come to know me because of this trouble you've been through, because I've shown my character to you. You're going to have a chance to see them come to know me. They were not my people, but they will now be my people, and they will say, you are God. Is that awesome? When God walks you through a doorway of hope, he's going to use you to change the life of someone else. Something in your suffering is going to give the, some other people hope because they're going to see you walk through it. And they're going to relate. Maybe sometime down the path, you'll find somebody going down the same road you were going down. And God walked you through that valley of trouble. And they're going to, he's going to, they're going to say, God got you through that? And suddenly hope will spring up in them. Well, if he got them through that, he'll get me through that. And suddenly, people who did not know Christ will know Christ because of your trouble. Because you hung on to hope. Mm. I'm kind of wound up all of a sudden. It never was about us. 
It was always about him, and it was always about us reaching other people. He gave us a purpose. And God's not just getting you through just to get you through. He's going to get you through to help other people through. Huh? To bring glory to his name. To build up his kingdom. It reaches way beyond just your circumstance. It reaches in the circumstance of who knows how many other people. You know what I mean? Get your mind off the, the micro. Get your eyes up on the big picture. It's not just about what issue you're facing. It's about you being equipped to help some people walk through the, issue they're fa- the issues they face. Anyway. Ah. Hope has the power to captivate you. Do you know that? Because of the covenant you're a part of as a Christian. Hope will take you prisoner. It's strong enough to take captives, to take prisoners. Zechariah 9, 11, and 12 says this. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. And he says this. Okay? Ever been in a pit or fall you're in a pit? Can't get out of? Anybody ever been there? Anybody know Ed Young? Anybody, anybody, anybody here watch Ed Young on television? Ed Young TV? He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a pastor from Dallas. He does some really intriguing things with conveying a message. And I saw him one day. He started a message by video down in this pit. And they were looking down, and he was up on the screen in their, their church, and he was down in this pit, kind of start, started the message, started preaching via video. We've all been in a pit at some point in time, haven't we? He says, I'm going to deliver you prisoners. How many of you felt like you've been captive in certain areas of your life? Like your life's been entrapped. Like there's certain things that you just can't get loose from. They just hounds you. He says, listen, I'm going to set you free from that waterless pit. But he said, listen to this. He said, return to the stronghold, something firm, something protective, something powerful. The stronghold, it means a fortress. It means something substantial. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. So I'm going to take you out of being a prisoner of the pit. I'm going to make you a prisoner of hope. You will not be able to get away from it. You'll be held captive by hope. As you face 2009, let hope captivate you. Let it surround you. See, Abraham was held captive by it. It overtook his soul. It overtook his being. It overtook his person. Let it overtake you. Because you know what the Bible says here at the end of verse 12? It says, even today I declare, says the Lord, that I will restore double to you. That's a pretty good promise, I think. Think of some things that have been snatched from you. Think about the difficulty of life thrown at you. And then say, God, I want to be a prisoner of hope. We talk about hope as an anchor. Hope as a doorway. Hope is strong enough to take captives. And the reason hope is able to do all those things is because hope is a person. Psalm 71 says this. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Just like Zechariah wrote, be my strong refuge. To which I may resort continually. 
You have given the commandment to save me. Listen to these words. Listen to this, 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 this firmness, this stability, this security, this strongness right here. Listen to this. For you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, oh my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. Those are these next words. For you are my hope. Hope is an anchor. Hope is a doorway. Hope is able to take captives because hope is the person of Jesus. Hope, Jesus, hope, Jesus is hope. The psalmist wrote, oh Lord, you are my hope. Oh Lord, my, oh Lord of God. Listen, don't put hope in your job. Don't put hope even in your family. Don't put hope in your retirement plan. Don't, I might laugh like, yeah, don't be doing that. <laughs> oh, phew. Don't put hope in your next door neighbor. Find your hope in the person of Christ. Listen, you are my trust from my youth. The psalmist writes, I can trust, I, I can put my hope in you because I trust you. You know why? Because we've been through some stuff together. I know your character. I've seen you make certain promises. They've come true. I've heard your word. I've watched them come, come about. You've been my help from my youth. You've been my trust from my youth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. I have become as a wonder to many. <laughs> there are still people at work today going, dude, I can't figure that person out. What in the world? Huh? You ought to be a wonder. You ought to make people scratch their head. When God's brought you through something, you ought to be people going, because he's selling you into the earth. So people who aren't his people can be his people. You should make them go, wow, what is all that about? Make their ears perk up. I have become as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. You hear that? Over and over again. Hope is not something that's weak. It's not something that's wishful. Hope is something that is strong because hope is the person of Christ. Hope is the person of Jesus. Hope is the Son of God. We just celebrated Christmas about this manger, this the reason we have hope is because this right here. If we could raise that screen, there'd be a cross right there. The reason we can have hope is because of this, because of that, and because there's an empty tomb somewhere outside Jerusalem that God said, I will make good on my promises. Things may look bad. Things may look bleak. But I am a God of truth. I am a God of love. I'm going to get you through. Listen. And when you, when you have... When you have allowed hope to possess you, you know what happens? The action of hoping becomes the right kind of hoping. Psalm 71, this is just free, it wasn't even my notes. Psalm 71, verse 14 says this. He says, Oh God, do not be far from me, verse 12. Verse 14, he says, But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day. Now listen to this next line. For I do not know their limits. 2009 should be a year we take the limits off. 
Our hope is in God. Our hope is in Christ. Our hope is sure. Our hope is secure. He is what He says He is. His love surpasses everything. His word is true. Everything else will pass away. Therefore, we can have hope. And it's time to break off the boundaries. Oh, I feel that. Listen. If you've displaced your hope, today's the day to get your hope back in place. If you've been wishful thinking rather than allowing hope to possess you and taking it into yourself and allowing it to grow, today's the day to grab back a hold. Today's the day to grab back a hold of the person of Christ. If you don't know Christ, you're like, man, I know, I've never heard such talk about, never seen people with hope before like this. You know what? You can have it too. The Bible says, check this out. For as many as received him, he gave them power to become the sons of God. You know what that means? Part of your inheritance is you get to grab a hold of hope. And if you just believe in him, he'll give you the power to become part of his offspring, which means hope will grow inside of you. Need a good dose of hope today? So say you came to the right place, but this is not the right place. Except for that Jesus is here. The right place is to turn to him. You get that? Turning to him. Stand with me. Wow. I just feel like I could like run a lap or do something. I don't know. Go work out. I don't know what to do. Woo! Take off the limits, man. Take off the limits. David said, I don't know their limits. Your salvation is vast. Hope is big. I cannot comprehend what you're doing, God. I can't get my mind around. I've limited you for too long. I don't know their limits. I'm going to stop trying to figure it out. I'm going to walk with you. Huh? I'm sweating. Is it hot in here? need to do something. You need to take some action today. See, the Bible says if you're just a hearer of the word, it profits you nothing. What, 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 what makes the difference is when you hear and do. What you need to do, because, you know, I think what we've done, we've grabbed a hold of things and put our hope in certain things, and we've got such a firm hold on those things that we can't grab a hold of Christ to the, to the level he wants us to. Today's the day you let go of the stuff and you grab a hold like Hebrews talked about grab a hold of hope Hebrews chapter 6 today's the day you take yourself and you say God put me back on that potter's wheel I gotta get that character thing worked out so hope can grow in me again some of you that's, that's the problem you decided the trouble was too much. You decided that whatever God was trying to work out on you character-wise was just too big of a difficulty. You said, you know what, I'm done with it. And you know what, today's the day you say, you know what, I get back on the wheel. I get back in the character development program of God. You know, there's all these companies and corporates that got, got leadership development and stuff. God's got, he, he, he creates leaders by creating character. So we're, stop, we're about the leadership development program, get on the character development program, Okay. Some of you, God's called you to do great things, but you jumped off the character development thing and you're just kind of stifled and kind of stuck. It's time to get back on the character development program. 
and watch hope overtake your life. God's good. I'm sorry I get wound up. I can't help it sometimes. Some of you are in trouble. Instead of looking at trouble, you've got to find that doorway of hope. Get out of the valley by looking for the doorway of hope. That doorway of hope is Christ. Some of you are like the Northwestern there in the deadliest catch, Sig's boat. Today's the day to reattach to your anchor. Stop letting the waves beat you up and down. Get reattached to the anchor of hope, the person of Christ. Some of you have been trying to escape. You've been chiseling away at the bars. You've got that, pulling that John's Parsons and making the cinder block look like it's encased with toothpaste. And you've tried to escape from hope. But God's saying today, let me take you captive. Become a captive of hope. Let's pray. Do it. Sing this song, Patrick, if you know it. Lead me, Lord, I pray. Beautiful, wonderful Savior, I know for sure that all of my days are held in
listen, the person of Christ is your only answer. You can spend all your days trying to figure out the next closest thing. You can try and figure out all the little details and buy all the books and do all the research and try the latest fad and the newest infomercial and all that stuff. The only place to find hope is the person of Jesus. That is it. The only person who can change what's wrong about you is him. The only person who can change what's wrong about your life is him. He's asking you just to jump back on the wheel and he will put it right back together. No, it's not going to be instant necessarily. Don't get me wrong. Normally it's a process. It's a procedure because you know what? He wants you to be more like him. He wants the reflection of his glory to be seen in the earth. He chooses to use you to do that. I just, if you'd say in this building this morning, God, I need hope. More of it. I got some, but I need more. God, I've been wishful thinking more than I've been understanding your character. Raise your hand where you stand right now. If you'd say, my hope is waning because I'm off the character development track. <laughs> I had to get back on that thing. Raise your hand where you are. I'm, I, I took myself out of the heat, man, out of the trouble. You'd say, you know what? I need a doorway of hope in the valley of my trouble. Raise your hand. See, you know why, you know why I do that? I didn't do, I did, this, this service could be different than the first service. I don't know why that happens. Just different people here. Look around you right now. I want you to look at something. If you, if you raised your hand just a minute ago, under, for any of those circumstances I just described, just put it right back up just for a second. I just want to show you guys something. The Bible says there's no thing that's overtaken us except that which is common. Sometimes you lose hope because you think you're the only one going through something. Am I right? You ain't. That's not good English, but it worked for Southern Ohio, doesn't it? Huh? We prayed for one another just a minute ago. It's good for you. Listen, follow through on the commitment. Take the action. Reattach yourself to the anchor. Put yourself back on the wheel. How do I do that, Aaron? You know what you do? You go back to where the train got off the track. You get back to that point and you start there. You can look back where you took yourself, whatever, whatever you stopped doing that got you off the, the character development track. Maybe you stopped praying. Maybe you stopped reading your scripture every day. Maybe you just kind of showed up to church wherever you wanted to. Maybe there were just certain things. Wherever you got started getting off track, you go right back to that point and you jump back on. Today's time you need to go home and go, you know what? I got to push the, I know it's getting late, push the food away from the lunch table. I'm going to go find Jesus today. Some of you have been making excuses why you can't do what God called you to do. You go back to that point. Whatever the last thing was told you, you didn't do, you go back and do it again. Father, you see these people, they're your people, Jesus. God, we all have need of hope. They've raised their hand, God, not as a statement of, 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 of recognition, but as a statement of faith saying, I've heard what your word says, Lord, and I need what you have, and I want to be what you want me to be. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit in this place today, God, as we face 2009, God, instill hope in us. 
Birth hope in us. Birth the person and the character of Christ in us. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that's what causes us to be the witnesses you want us to be. Infuse us, God, with your strength. Infuse us with your ability. Infuse us with your presence, Jesus. Get us back on the wheel. Let us go back and get the other things right. God, God, let us let loose of those things that have kept our hands full so we can't grab you. Like Dr. Locke would say, forget about those temporary things, God, and begin to concentrate on the kingdom of God. All the other things will be taken care of. Lord, help us to do that. Lord, we bless you today. Every one of your people today, Jesus, whose hearts are hungry for you, your word says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I pray every soul, every heart, every person, Jesus, will walk out of here full of you today, Jesus. Lord, we bless you and we love you. It's in your name we pray, Lord. In Jesus' name. The awesome, powerful, wonderful name of Jesus. We say amen.